0: and welcome to the fourth episode in our first series of the Sew Ab Fab podcast. I'm Ali and I run Bobbin Sewing School and my co-host is Caroline of the sewing business Sew Ab Fab. Hi there Caroline.
1: Hi Ali, hello everybody. So in our podcast we introduce you to the guests that are integral to home sewing or have connections to the sewing industry. Many of our guests have small to medium-sized sewing related businesses and or provide necessary resources and products to help you as sewers.
0: So, Caroline, how are you today?
1: I'm good, thanks, Ali. <laughs> how about you? I'm fine. Have you had a busy week? It, it's been busy. It's been enjoyable, but it's um, just getting all the last bits ready for when we can start teaching again after oh, May yeah. the 17th. Yeah. Um, so I think you've been the same. It's just making sure that everything is in place yeah. for everybody's safety. Yeah, um, Absolutely. As well as their enjoyment. So you don't want to not provide the service that you provided before, but you just want to make sure it's a uh, safe and welcome welcoming space at the same time.
0: Yeah, I know. It, it's daunting, isn't it? I mean, we've not been we've not been teaching for such a long time in no. groups, and it's just making sure everything's up together. I know I've had a good sort out and things like that. And yeah. just pulling in extra policy not policies but putting yeah it is prevention yeah
1: and I have a tummy full of butterflies as well because as you say we haven't taught for a long time so yeah it's getting back into the swing of it and yeah and just making sure um it's enjoyable For, for them <laughs>
0: absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think we're going to be we're going to have a few weeks where we're going to be a bit tired at the end of the day because yeah uh, you're you know well we all know don't we we're, when you're teaching it's yes. full on and but it's enjoyable and I can't yeah. can't knock it at all so no
1: I can't wait to see people yes. and yeah I welcome people back
0: you know and everybody's so excited and and I know you know it's it's, it's going to be great to be able to catch up on people's news and what they've been doing and everything so it's it's, it is exciting it is exciting (laughs) so have you been busy in your sort of like hobbies other hobbies as well this week
1: um yeah so last weekend um I spent it at the allotment I took some time out and um I knew I was getting behind and actually the other allotment owners dropping the odd hint that i needed to get going so (laughs) (laughs) nothing like a bit of a shove is there (laughs) no there isn't no (laughs) somebody i (laughs) know i uh planted out all my um brassicas and netted them and all that i put out my beetroot my broad beans my peas but i've lost my labels so Ah. i tell my peas from a sweet piece so they've all gone in the same bed (laughs) <laughs> oh that'll be interesting it will be I if not I'll just be the person that sticks out like a sore thumb in the allotment but that's okay um this year is my first year at sweet corn so I planted okay. a few of them if, like, um, With
0: that and the mice mice love to nibble those off
1: yeah so just um just well yeah and it's right next to the compost heap so probably I've given them dinner for a, a couple of nights now you said that <laughs> The anyway never mind so yes yeah, so the chickens loved it because it yeah. meant that because I was up there for so long they were out for a long long time yes. so um they were having a whale of a time I dug little uh potato mountains uh for my potatoes but they're no longer because the chickens um, have just scratched yeah. and scratched and scratched yes. so everything is all All flat flat again, but never mind. Never mind. What
0: about you? What have you been up to? Um. So yeah, we've been gardening. Um. I planted my peas and broad beans this week too. Out. They 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 were, you know, getting beyond being leggy. Um. But we had a really successful year last year with sweet peas, and I kept all the seed. And in traditional Warner fashion, um, I got a a sort of nudge from the other half. Are you going to? plant these and so yes I started <laughs> planting I planted religiously like five seeds per pot and then there was this whole load left over because there were so many and he just made me put them all in well everyone must have germinated <laughs> <laughs> we have got so many sweet pea plants it's unbelievable but so I've been saying to everybody, you know, do, do you have sweet peas? Would you like sweet peas? And everybody's saying yes, but I'm just hardening them off before I give them away. But yeah. yeah, I went went to a really beautiful National Trust house last year and in their walled garden, they had the most amazing display of sweet peas. I was like, I'm aspiring to that. <laughs> I
1: know. It, We last year actually I have to say at home. Uh, we went a bit mad in lockdown and, and we had sweet peas everywhere. I mean, we were giving them to the neighbours yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, I'm desperate to grow them. I've got quite a wonky uh, water, galvanised water butt oh, yeah up at the allotment. And I was like, oh, I need to just need to make this a little bit pretty. Oh, did and you so, I, yeah, I'd like to grow some up there. I just need to get my hands on some more. See, you can't put them in the post alley. <laughs> no, no, no,
0: no, no, I can't. I wish I could. <laughs>
1: I don't think think they get to you very well.
0: (laughs) No, (laughs) never mind. Uh, Yeah, there was there was a really good on on Instagram the other day with somebody who'd used what looked like an old water butter corrugated water button. She got like her sweet peas growing up. I was like, yes, that's the way to do it.
1: (laughs) Any any object will do. I'm I'm convinced now. If Mm. I see something lying around, yeah, I'll put something in it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Yes, yes. So, uh... (laughs) and the animals are they all good?
1: yeah they are they're um uh dogs oh well and uh yeah and i do have a very broody chicken bless her her. um so my white chicken daisy looks like a giant pom-pom with a little head on the top at the moment yes um so it is very much you take the life in your own hands when you turf her off her (laughs) her little (laughs) group of eggs that she sat on um but yeah no i I i think you've had a new arrival haven't you ali oh oh no no No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah farming life and death but I have do have a funny story about my sheep so I get a call from one of my sons who said he was going to check the sheep in the morning and he didn't now he rang me and he said oh mum he said and I was just literally leaving for work mum could you go and open the sheep because what they we do is we shut them down in one paddock at night and then they have the whole of like two big paddocks during the day so I thought yes yes I will but I'm in a hurry and I need to get to work and I'm in a skirt and I think oh no am I going to change and I think no 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 I'm not going to change so I rush get in the car I rush along to the sheep paddock I get out I've got my wellington boots on ready with my skirt and I'm thinking Oh, I've left the key for the lock of the gate. So I'm oh, gonna no. climb over the gate. So I look <laughs> left and right. I'm hitching this, this skirt up round my knickers. <laughs> And I climb the gate that's fine so I wander across to the paddock and I get all the way there and I open the, the gate to let them through and they're all happy and then I'm thinking oh I was really lucky I you know I nobody was in the lane when I did that the first time so I get back and a SEB van has pulled up right by the gate <laughs>
1: Oh Ali, you've neighbors. To,
0: oh, <laughs> I have to repeat my it was the first time I'd worn a skirt in months in yeah in the year. i won't be doing
1: it again soon. No, I, won't. So
0: I <laughs> have to hitch my skirt up round my knickers again and climb the gate in full view of an SEB van with two men having their morning coffee. <gasps> <laughs> I
1: bet that- Look at All right, Ali, you're lucky they didn't record you. <laughs> you're on oh, yes. social media. I'll Even tell you sure, what, you're not. It, would, it wouldn't be very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, just typical. Uh, just typical. <laughs> anyway, that was my week. <laughs> well, it's time we now introduced our guests. Yes, so
0: our guest today is Julia um, from Bobbin and Buttons.
2: Hello, Julia. Hi, Ali. Hi, Caroline. Um, Yes, I'm very good today. Thank you.
1: As we mentioned, you are the owner of Bobbins and Buttons. Please, could you tell us and our listeners about your wonderful sewing-related business?
2: Oh, yes. Well, um, it's a sort of three-part business. So I design a range of patterns, which are dressmaking patterns for all the family. And then I also um, retail fabrics online, mainly to, to go in line with the patterns. And alongside that, I also teach workshops as well, sewing classes.
1: Wow. Lovely. That, you sound very busy. How long have you been
2: established? Um, well, I started um, in 2013, and it was a kind of a funny situation because I'd actually had a small business before, and, I'd, and we'd lost the business. It was a bit of a larger business than the one I'm running at the moment, so I was one of three directors. During, I think it was about 2008, there was a recession, and things weren't going so well, and, and between us, um, we didn't agree on the path forward, so we ended up finishing the business roughly the same time I found myself pregnant (laughs) with my first child. Um, Um, So it was a bit of an odd situation to be out of work and pregnant um, and I didn't really feel I'd be able to get a new job with a growing bump. So after some time I kind of came up with the idea of of the sewing classes and started them in 2013 when my son was two and my daughter was four it started from there really. You
1: also have a very exciting time ahead uh, you're building a new venue for your sewing school would you like to tell us a little more about that?
2: Yes that's very very exciting well over the years um, uh, the, the business has moved from um, dining room table to a little um, storage units which just housed the fabric and then hired halls and various different venues but largely based around the dining room table Um, and over the years as well I've kind of looked into the possibility of having a shop but I kind of consider my business as a bit of a lifestyle choice as well Mm -hmm. so I kind of like to I don't really want it to be employing people so I'm happy with it to be just me so I kind of um so when we moved to this house it has a large garage which is very run down um, dilapidated garage but um that was my dream to be able to renovate that and my dream is coming true because it's renovated now and after this I'll probably be with a paintbrush <laughs> 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 these walls ready to move in so um I'm allowed to work my uh, sewing classes there as long as they remain small. Um, I'm allowed to do my um, retailing, online retailing from there. So it's all, um, it's my perfect solution. It's so
1: exciting, Julia. I'm so pleased for you.
0: So one of the things you mentioned, that a key part of your business is the sewing patterns, your sewing pattern range. Um, what made you start to design and draft your own dressmaking patterns?
2: Well, by sort of trade my earlier career was as a pattern cutter in the industry for um, sort of high street fashion, and that's really what brought me to Leicester. So that was already there. And then within the classes, I used to make some patterns and grade them to different sizes, mainly children's clothing, really, which is where the children's wear started. Um, and they were popular classes. Lots of people used to like to come to the class and make one of my sort of little girls' dresses. And I thought, well, you know, as I wanted to sort of move the business a bit, bit to a you know more not large scale, but you know make something a bit more of it. I thought, well, maybe I could publish the patterns. So really, that's that's where the first ones I published were the ones that I I taught as sewing classes. So little rosy reversible pinafore dress. Um, was probably I think was the first one I published and and then it sort of moved on from there really. Brilliant.
1: Wow. So we're interested to know whether you sketch your designs initially or do they come to you as you drape material onto a form?
2: Oh well I'm definitely a sketcher. I've got endless, endless books of sketches and ideas and and they come at all random times of the day and night. You know, you can so I've got sketchbooks everywhere it's really something I want to sort out actually because I've got so many sketchbooks I kind of have an idea in one and then I think oh where was that idea I had a great idea and it's in a different sketchbook <laughs> so I really need to put them in one sketchbook I also like um, Pinterest so I like pinning lots of ideas but really the ideas so far have sort of come organically as a sort of solution to if I wanted um, a a dress to wear or had an idea of a dress I wanted to wear I thought oh that might make a good pattern so i tend to to kind of make one up wear it and and, you know make changes mentally and then if if I'm feeling like this is a good pattern or something I want to pursue I'll make it into a real pattern but like I said the first the early ones all the kids wear style so again solutions for them Um, and there was the little dungaree dress for for girls and that's my daughter's favorite dress um but then it needed a t-shirt so along came the little Lee t-shirt to go under it and obviously that could be for boys and girls so you know it's kind of solutions um and then most recently those joggers were inspired by my son who constantly had knees um holes in his knees of all his trousers when he came back from nursery Mm. and um I thought, you know, if we could reinforce them, his little core, you know, scratched knees would be, um, you know, not so <laughs> damaged all the time. So, they, you know, those, those joggers have been in the pipeline for five years, really.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, Caroline knows firsthand how fabulous your patterns are and she includes them into her complete dressmaking kits. Can you explain to us or let us know how you take that design and you process that into releasing your pattern?
2: Um, yes, there's, there's definitely quite a lot of work involved in releasing a pattern. So initially, after the, the design, um, I've sort of decided on the design, I'll do a first pattern. So that'll be, um, you know, make, making the, the pattern first time, making the pattern and just seeing how it looks. So I'll try that on a stand or on a real person or a bit mixture of both and then usually there's probably about possibly five or ten more versions after that where um but I tend to be quite quick on my first version I don't finish all the edges and do it all beautifully I'll just make the shape with the right seam allowances make it properly but it's not all beautifully finished Mm -hmm. Um, and just fabric that's appropriate to the style and then um, try it on, um, and then usually there's lines all over it where I want to make amendments, and I'll keep on doing that till I feel like I'm nearly there, and then I'll make a real one um, in some real fabric, and usually I try to sort of wear that or get somebody to wear it um, before I go any further, so really giving it a proper text, yes. and then seeing oh, you know, actually, because I think when you make your own clothes, you think, oh, this is bugging me a bit, you know, this part of the, and then you'll want to tweak it. So it gives me a chance to go back and tweak it. And also the kids are great critics. if I'm making things for them. They'll say, mummy, you know, or they just won't wear it, or they'll just be brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so from that point, when, when I think we're there, we'll, I'll make a real one up um, and, and then I'll make another real one up, which I'll photograph for the instructions. Um, going through each stage, and then I'll write the instructions, I'll work out the lay plan, we'll um, make the actual pattern and get that um, graded into all the different sizes yeah. um, and, and start to put it all together as a package. And at that point, then I send it out to a group of testers um, and I've worked really with the same group of testers and I quite like to use the same ladies because I know, you know, they know what I'm looking for and they'll answer the questions. They'll give me feedback. And from that, I'll collate all their information and just go through everything, just checking that all the information in the pattern's right. It's ready to launch. Yeah, so that lovely. can be quite a long process.
0: Do you design on the computer or do you desi- do you flat Pattern cut. I
2: flat pack cut. So I'm very old school. Yeah, um, yeah I, I learned. I mean, I did actually train as a fashion designer, and, and the way we learned in the 90s, um, everything was manual. So I did work in the industry. So I do have links because obviously we need to be digital now, but yeah. I don't do the digital side of it. I do hand <laughs> that over. Um, <laughs> I can I, do. I, get my way around I do all the sort of annotation of the pattern online but I don't do the actual digitizing because (laughs) that's a little bit beyond my
0: yeah I I feel your pain I spent a very long week trying to learn how to digitize patterns actually mm -mm, no not for me
2: I know, I, know. I, I kind of have this theory really that I would rather be concentrating on the things that I'm good at and hand the things that I you know because in a small business you can't do everything and um, so I kind of believe in passing over and um, things to the experts when they're way more expert than me at it.
1: <laughs> I know your pattern range is growing and you cater for the whole family do you see an upward trend for dressmaking patterns for other genres now, and not just sewing patterns for women?
2: Yes. Well, obviously, I started with the kids. Um, really, my experience is in ladieswear, but I also did have a, a bit of experience. I worked freelance for a few years for a men's designer, which is really why I introduced the men's patterns into the range. And since I've only got the one men's pattern out at the moment, but it's had a really good response, so it definitely is spurring me on. To, um, to create more men's patterns. And it's the men as well themselves sewing, I think. Mm. And they're the ones that are coming to me and saying that they're having a go. And I think this is fantastic. So I'm definitely definitely up to support that. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I, I'm finding that with the kits that actually there there are more and more male sewers now and it's lovely to engage with them and to get their feedback and find out what they want to make as well
2: yes i do as well i mean i find them very um enthusiastic as well it's fantastic it's a kind of it is a different mindset slightly to the way i you know women approach it though in in many not i don't like to pigeonhole people but um you know, I think some of the men are just really getting stuck in and going for it. I love it. You know, it's so yeah. so good to see. It is. Um, okay.
0: So who do you find easier to design patterns for? Is it for the children, the men or the women?
2: <laughs> I think because um, the most of my experience is for women, I, I probably find it easier to do that. And really with the, the children as well, because I've got children, I do enjoy all of it, really. And I really like be inclusive I I love that element of it so I'm determined to keep going with all three areas
0: (laughs) and so what what inspires your patterns is it do you see a particular fabric and say oh I know exactly what I want to design to go with that fabric or do you just pick up ideas from other fashion areas of fashion or magazines or do you do you have a, a process or is it just very organic and it just happens
2: yeah I mean I think it is it's mainly organic but I mean obviously since I started selling the fabrics online as well I wanted to be able to put the patterns with the fabric so I'm also a little bit led by what's available to buy you know if if you there's no point designing something in a fabric that's completely unavailable so if I see that the suppliers are coming up with loads and loads of gorgeous jersey prints then obviously I think, oh, you know, it'd be lovely to make something in that.
1: I know as a designer, you collaborate with other pattern makers, in particular Project Run and Play. Is it exciting to work with others?
2: Yes, oh, I, love, I love working with other designers. Um, the whole Project Run and Play thing has been really great fun. Um, it started, I think, maybe a couple of years ago, when I was invited to take part in, um, I think it was season 22, they did a competition um, and they invite certain designers to 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 um, be in a sort of sewing bee style competition, but online. And then we work to a theme, and then each week somebody gets knocked out. I mean, I didn't get very far in the competition, but I loved the whole process of it. And since then, they've invited me to to take part in their other collaborations. So recently we we designed a round theme of um, book club um, for kids. They're all kids patterns and came up with some patterns that were launched in line with each other, but we all made each other's designs up and made our photos up with each other's designs. So the, the whole thing was like a, a look book at the end. Yeah. And it was really good fun. Um, so it's and it's every time I do something with them it's inspiring just to to work with others and to 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 see what they're doing and also putting it together. I just love it. Yeah, it's it's really good fun.
1: It can be hard to run a business and there is constant need to adapt to unforeseen changes. Do you think this past year has changed people's perception of sewing and the sewing
2: industry? I think lots of people have got much more stuck into sewing and giving it a go than ever before. I definitely think that. um, And like we talked about earlier, men are definitely engaging in it much, much more now. I mean, I did actually hear, I was on a, a brief um, radio interview and they said to me um, that sewing machine sales had increased by something like 30%. So I was talking to somebody else the other day and they said, oh, it's much, much more than that. <laughs> so I think, you know, I think that sort of indicates there's so many more people um, just trying it. So I'm hoping that they'll, they'll carry on and people are, I hope so you
0: know I don't know um, whether you've had to learn any new skills over the past few months I mean obviously zoom is zooming classes is quite a difficult thing and (laughs) obviously you've got children so they've been doing all sorts of things have you had to learn new skills yourself do you think
2: um well I would say the whole um yeah the zoom thing was completely new to me really (laughs) That's, I mean, I've done Zoom meetings with um, suppliers, so they've shown me their fabrics on Zoom rather than coming and showing me their range in person. So that's changed. Um, and obviously ordering online much more than than seeing things in in, you know, in the real has changed. Um, and I think the other thing, because my classes had to stop, I did have the choice of whether to try to do the Zoom um, classes but I did sort of decide not to do that really um I just felt like it was too much um especially with the kids around and just the Mm. time scales of it all so I decided to plow a bit more effort into doing YouTube tutorials and sort of making that connection through that so but that's been a whole whole learning curve as well I had started but now I'm trying to publish a YouTube tutorial once a week or some sort of um fabric you know showing fabrics or something on youtube once a week um but even that you know has its challenges with um lighting and cameras and forgetting to put the microphone on i'm good (gasps) at that
0: I did a tutorial, I I don't want to tell Caroline, but I'm going to fess up now. So I, I've done a tutorial for one of her kits and I realized that I've almost done it. So I edited the first part, brilliant, came to do the second part and the phone rang. And I, what I did was I pressed the, the uh, record button to stop recording because the phone was ringing. I must've pressed it twice because I've got the whole phone call, but I've got 20 minutes of nothing after that. <laughs>
1: i've got to redo it <laughs> okay ali oh, no. it Do you like working under pressure the deadline yeah, I only tomorrow
2: <laughs>
0: so, i
1: mean it's so stupid isn't it but you're just you're, you you yeah. know we're not
0: professionals we're not no it's
2: so true and we're doing it true? ourselves
0: I think mean, yeah. we're doing it ourselves. We've not got the people around us saying
1: cut. Yeah. yeah I'm always forever having to edit the dog out, the doorbell. Um, I, I mean, I've apologized in all my videos for the background noise because I, I don't have the skills in, to get, in getting rid of all of them. What age did you learn to sew? And was there someone that inspired you to start? Um, yes.
2: Yeah, so I, I learned, I think I was about seven years old, and I still remember this actually. And my mum, I mean, growing up in the 70s and 80s, my mum was very much making all her own clothes. Because I think in those days, um, it was was a case more of if you wanted new clothes, you had to make them yourself because the cheap imports and things weren't available. So she did pretty much all um, the clothes for herself and for me and my sister. And then one day, I remember she worked as an occupational therapist. One day I was off school with some cold that she obviously thought was bad enough to keep me off school, but not bad enough to um, stay away from work. So she took me to work with her and she used to have one of these old hand crank machines that she used with her patients. So she popped me in the office and said, here's some bits of calico, turn the handle and that's how it works. And I just remember being utterly mesmerised with this thing. And I made about 15 pencil cases for my sister for when she got home from school. They were all utterly rubbish. But I just was in love, in love with sewing from that moment on. The whole thing um, about teaching really came from a first experience. I'd been working in the industry um, for, I don't know, about 10 or 15 years. No, probably longer than that. I am losing track of time when you get my my age. (laughs) 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 I had got disillusioned with the fashion trade and I decided to save up all my holiday and money and go and visit my uncle and aunt in South Africa and I did this and while I was there we stumbled across this little um, tiny little community in a village called New Bethesda And they were working in in a little art school and they were all working there, making these lovely mosaic, beautiful kind of artworks. And I talked to the ladies there and I said, oh, how did you get a job like this? And they said, oh, well, we're always looking for volunteer teachers. To cut a long story short, two years later, I'd signed up and I was becoming a volunteer teacher for the first time to ever teach the ladies of this disadvantaged community. Um, they'd always the school had been running a few years, but um, they'd always taught the, the men and the kids, but nobody would ever taught the women. And oh. I'd had lots of preparation that um, they might not turn up to class, they might not engage with it. But these women came every single day. I had I think, twenty-five women. Wow. Seven days a week if they were you know, if I didn't say I need a day off.
1: Oh
2: <laughs> and my. we worked together and, I, and in the end I'd had a I'd had a new job just before I'd left um, and I'd agreed a sabbatical. Um, so I managed to to be there for nearly a year and we did some amazing applique. But I thought I'd gone there to teach these women, really, which I had and I did. But what I didn't realise is what they gave me back.
1: Yeah, in return.
2: So much more than I ever, ever realised. So when I was in that situation, sort of unemployed with little kids, I thought, and and my husband, who I'd met just before I'd left, said, I never thought you'd come back because you loved it so much. And I said, well, maybe I could teach in this country, and um, you know, pass on some of my dressmaking skills. So really, that's where the whole thing started in 2013. But right. it was because of that connection, and because of that, the thing, the well-being, the, the whole, um, you know, the whole thing that sewing gives, and that, like you said, the community of it. Even there, even though our language wasn't necessarily the same. You know it was still, um, you know, it was there what these women were gaining from sewing, yeah, so much more than I ever realized. And I see it now in teaching. I really missed teaching since lockdown yeah. because it gives so much to so many people in so many different ways, and it's just so lovely to see. And like you say, the connections and the and and you know, having something in common, it's just fantastic. That's so definitely. So Julia do
0: you see sewing as one of those life skills that will continue through the generations and
2: do your children dabble do they like to sew? I I definitely think it will stay through the generations I mean it's it's more popular than it has been forever really at the moment I think hasn't it there's definitely a a big community of people embracing sewing and, and making their own clothes and there's so many different um, aspects to it as well whether you're upcycling or making things to fit or you know sewing um just for feeling good you know I mean there's just so many aspects I'm sure it'll stay around it's been you know it's it's a skill that's been around forever really hasn't it
1: yeah I, um,
2: think,
0: yeah, I was yeah. going to say I think it's uh, I think it's important you know I think that people are beginning to see it as a slightly more sustainable hobby it, it used to be just you know clothing is so cheap or was so cheap is so cheap it shouldn't be and I think that sewing and and actually people seeing the value and the time and the effort that goes into it is more important and and they those people that so really appreciate that
2: um, yeah so that's really really true and I think having been on the other end I mean that was one of the reasons I started yeah. to get disillusioned with working in the fashion trade because it was so fast-paced mm-hmm. and so throwaway um, that it just, you know, people were burning out um, for the sake of a t-shirt that would be thrown away. Mm-hmm. You know, the next day it was really very, very sort of depressing to work in that environment. And mm-hmm. But this, like you say, there's so much to it, I and mean, it is a sustainable thing that, and to be able to mend your clothes and alter your clothes and just have that ability I think it's really really special
0: actually yeah I think it also you know um I think I think if you make well you make once and you wear it and love it and I think with industry with manufacturing I mean when I was in retail there were you know two collections a year but now there's oodles of collections a year and it's so quick so quick turnaround fast-paced as you say think that people that don't actually have the ability to understand what goes into making a garment they don't see how unsustainable that is for for everything in life really yeah.
2: absolutely no yeah you're totally right I 100% agree with that I think you know it is it, it is it's, it really is you know so good to be able to just to have that attitude away from the thing just the throw away mm. society of fast fashion is just appalling really and, and like you say, people don't appreciate it they put it on they think oh you know it doesn't look quite right or just throw it away or throw it into the into the um you know charity bag or something and it's so dismissive but you know if you've got the sewing skills you could then make that into something else or you know change change it um and you just have a different mindset if you've you've been involved I think with sewing and
0: yeah
2: um, doing some things
0: yeah I think it's a good thing to to get the kids now I think to understand and and maybe you know I mean children sewing is a great thing (laughs) i mean
2: both my kids do have a go
1: so i'm intrigued julia do you have um a project on the go
2: just for you but i have over the last couple of years i made a decision to make myself a new dress for my birthday so (laughs) so and that can be any pattern that i just like the look of you know like like the way people choose their um Mm -hmm. sewing projects so i just have a look and think oh that's a nice dress and it would be nice in that fabric and i make it Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> um and they've been really good fun. I mean it's a bit more of a I don't tend to wear that many dressed up styles, but we usually, you know, COVID permitting, we go out for a meal or something. Yeah. So I feel really you can, you know, get a bit dressed up and wear a nice dress. So um I've Lovely. done that part of the years and I've really enjoyed just making somebody else's pattern and just um just having something a bit glamorous to wear you know <laughs> <laughs> so
0: we we both find it really hard switching off from our businesses um do you ever manage to take a day off and maybe throw yourself into any other hobbies
2: I do well I do take the odd day off try to um be mindful of having a bit of um, time away from the business I enjoy um I do enjoy a few other things I like tried to keep fit I like running I do quite a bit of running I also like baking as well and I've recently discovered that um, my daughter's really enjoying baking so we have some lovely mummy daughter times together and we'll make um, a fresh batch of cookies or more than one fresh (sighs) batch of cookies whichever recipe she decides most weekends now so and during that time we're having nice
0: chats and obviously lots of pasting oh oh it's Julie it's been lovely talking to you and thank you so much for allowing us to interview you um but just before we say goodbye do you have any new aspirations for the business obviously opening up your your new studio is going to be the big one but do you have anything like further in the future that you're hoping to develop for bobbins bobbins and buttons
2: so at the moment, I, like you say, I am focusing on opening up the studio. I always have plans going on so I do actually want to spend a bit of time. I, I do want to sit down um, and make some plans but I still, I'm i happy with the way the patterns are going. Um, I'm definitely looking to, to work with more retailers and sell um, the patterns Fantastic. to small shops as well um, and keep on growing that side of the business really and offering fabrics that go along with the pattern. So I'm, I'm hoping to sort of base it around that. But I think there will be some some more ideas coming in to the mix to how to do that. Hopefully.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Julia. We really appreciate your time today. Um, and it all sounds so exciting. And we we can't wait to see what Bobby and Buttons does in the future.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Aww. Thank you very much. I feel very um, honoured to have been here today and, and thank you so much for the lovely and truly yeah. enjoyed
0: it. It's been brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Good luck with thank everything you. in the future. Wow, Julia.
1: Thank you so much for that. It was very insightful into what it takes to draft a pattern and get it onto the shelves. Fascinating, really. So, thank you.
0: Yeah, there's there's so much more to it, Caroline, isn't there? It's not... And you know it's not straightforward
1: job it's, it's not straightforward I, there is there's a lot of work that goes into releasing a pattern i think we'll hold off for a little while yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you keep pushing but yeah <laughs> and i keep pushing back <laughs> <laughs> conversations since it's 2014 Ali's <laughs> winning at the moment
0: <laughs> i know
1: <laughs> anyway so um
0: caroline who's going to be our next guest
1: our next guest is Damien. Um, he is a textile agent. So is given us an insight to his daily life, um, bringing fabric to uh, home sewers. Oh. So tune in for that.
0: Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. I can't wait to hear about um, the, the, the other end of the, the retail of fabric. I know,
1: something totally different. Yeah, yeah. It
0: will be. It will be. So if you enjoyed our podcast and you would like to hear more, please do subscribe Uh, you can find more details about us and the links to this show at www.sewabfabpodcast.podbean.com and there you will find our website links and social media feeds and the links to Julia at Bobbin and Button too so keep in touch and in the meantime happy sewing everybody happy Happy sewing. sewing bye bye bye